This is the Crosspoint Sermon Audio from Carrollton, Texas. <laughs> so I spoke last week about the concept of missional living. What I neglected to mention was that uh, it's not just this weird, new, fangled idea that some people came up with and, you know, all the young people are trying to get hip to. It's actually uh, a position held by the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, which Crosspoint happens to be a part of. And so I thought I might uh, read a few points of their definitions for some further clarification of what this kind of looks like. They say on their website, a missional church grasps that God is a missionary God and that it is not so much that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. Missional church believes that the essence of God's mission is to extend the reign of God and is summed up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Missional church is a visible community of authentic disciples of Jesus Christ who gather for celebration, prayer, and teaching, and then disperse locally and globally as his missionaries to love and serve people. A missional church is concerned with more than just maintaining programs for existing members. It is called to mobilize its people both individually and as a community to daily self-sacrificing for the hurting world around them. A missional church is both inwardly strong and outwardly focused. A uh, missional church perceives that the essence of these things is the essence of its existence. Therefore, a missional church will constantly seek to reevaluate itself as to whether or not its emphasis, organization, and activity effectively position the church to partner with God in his mission. It's part of who we are and what we do to be missional. And last week I talked about postures. How many of you remember that? And how many of you as you walked through this week thought about your posture? <laughs> I know I did. Every five seconds, I was going, oh, wait, sit up, sit up. Well, last week, I talked about the health ramifications of poor posture on the body. Uh, this week, I want to talk a little bit about what our posture says about us. Uh, our posture sends nonverbal cues to other people and, in fact, ourselves about our inner feelings. Posture has been called a barometer of emotions. In essence, how you sit, stand, move, etc., says a lot about your mood, character, and self-worth. Sitting up straight, for example, may indicate that a person is focused and paying attention to what's going on. Sitting with the body hunched forward, on the other hand, indicate, uh, may, can imply that the person is bored or indifferent. Open posture involves keeping the trunk of the body open and exposed. This type of posture indicates friendliness, openness, and willingness. Closed posture, keeping the body obscured or hidden by hunching forward, keeping the arms and the legs crossed. Now, this type of posture can be an indicator of hostility, unfriendliness, or anxiety. Our posture is important. It says a lot about who we are and what we believe. So what does our posture say about us? Our posture can reveal our true self and our true motivations. And these are some of the reasons that we're examining our postures, that, the postures that missional Christians could adopt and help to develop their sentness, as we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about and recognized that uh, a missional Christian should adopt a posture of being sent so they can submerge into their community and bring shalom. Now, this week, I want to talk about safe places, standing in the gap, and a shared life. And I'm going to try to go through this quickly for everybody's sake. <laughs> so let's talk about safety first, safe places. I think we can all agree that everybody likes to feel safe. I mean, even the craziest adrenaline junkie know, wants to know that they've put all their effort into getting prepared for whatever attempt they're going to make, and they love to live to tell the tale, right? <laughs> but for many people, the church is not seen as a safe place, and Christians are not seen as safe people. 
And perhaps it's because they've seen too many images of Westboro Baptist protests or too many stories of pastors' indiscretions. Or perhaps they've just been mistreated because of the way they look or act or think. And for whatever reason, there's a growing resentment towards the church and towards its people. And that's one of the reasons that we as the church need to adopt the posture of providing safe places to people that we come in contact with. And Jesus was a master of this, wasn't he? If you read the stories, and in fact, I want to take a look at just one example of his ability to help bring safety to someone who probably didn't expect it from a religious person. And it's found in John 8, 2 through 11. And if you've got your version live, it's listed in there for you. If not, you just get to listen to me ramble on. Then early the next morning, he went to the temple. The people came to him and he sat down and started teaching them. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law of Moses brought in a woman who had been caught in bed with a man who wasn't her husband. Dun, dun, dun. They made her stand in the middle of the crowd. And then they said, teacher, this woman was caught sleeping with a man who isn't her husband. The law of Moses teaches that a woman like this should be stoned to death. What do you say? Now, they asked Jesus this question because they wanted to test him and bring some charge against him. But Jesus simply bent over and started writing on the ground with his finger. Well, they kept on asking Jesus about the woman. Finally, he stood up and said, if any of you have never sinned, then go ahead and throw the first stone at her. Once again, he bent over and began writing on the ground. The people left one by one, beginning with the oldest. Finally, Jesus and the woman were there alone. Jesus stood up and asked her, where is everyone? Isn't there anyone left to accuse you? No, sir, the woman answered. Then Jesus told her, I'm not going to accuse you either. You may go now, but don't sin anymore. Notice that Jesus doesn't simply condone her actions, right? I mean, she was caught in bed with a man who wasn't her husband. However, before he comes around to bringing any sort of correction into her life in love, he makes sure that she's in a safe place. He gives her a reason to listen to him. That's what safe places do. They open people up to hear the gospel. They let them know that ultimately we are on their side. This doesn't always come easy. Sometimes it takes a long time of developing relationships with people before they feel safe enough to hear what you have to say. But the real question is, are we willing to make that investment in the lives of the people we come in contact with? Are we willing to help them along their journey into knowing Christ, the Christ that we claim to know and love? Are we willing to provide the safe places necessary for them to be open to hearing about him? But there's another element at play. Jesus was willing to stand in the gap for this woman, and it changed her life. Stand in the gap. That phrase has been bothering me all week long. <laughs> just, just so you're aware, I got most of, uh, actually, the majority of, of the last two weeks out of this book called Sentness. There's also a link to this in your U version. See, all sorts of bonuses there. And they have this phrase, stand in the gap. What does that mean? So it bothered me so much that I looked up the definition of stand in the gap. And here's what it says. It says, it means to expose oneself for the protection of something, to make defense against any assailing danger, and to take the place of a fallen defender or supporter. This is the way that we're able to provide safe places for people. We stand in the gap for them. 
We help to protect them from dangers both real and imaginary. However, this does require some sacrifice on our part. It requires that we be willing to give up of ourselves to the mission of God. It requires stepping out in faith. It requires trusting that God has us and that we in turn can live in that strength and have other people. And this is true both inside and outside the church. Are you willing to stand in the gap for another? Paul tells us in Galatians 6, share each other's burdens and in this way you obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. <coughs> the life of a Christ follower is one of service. Jesus told us that he came to serve, not to be served. And he did this as an example of how we should live our lives. Each one of us has this calling. It's not just the pastor or the staff or whoever happens to be on the tech team or the worship leader. It's all of us. In fact, the author Neil Cole says, I believe we are living, leaving the day of the ordained and ushering in the day of the ordinary. It is a time when common Christians will do uncommon things. Don't we all want to do something uncommon? Don't we all want to do something that's just amazing? One organization that's helping to stand in the gap for people learning to begin to understand this missional lifestyle is called Forge Dallas. Now, they're the local hub of the Forge International Network that trains and equips common Christians to do uncommon things. Your staff has had the privilege of attending some of their gatherings and events and meetings and trainings, and they've been hugely beneficial in our understanding of what it means to live a missional lifestyle. So I want to stop here and apologize to each one of you for not inviting you more to become a part of those. They're hugely beneficial, and, and I think we've kept that undercover from you, and not on purpose, but it's just one of those things. So to help with that and to kind of overcome that in your YouVersion live event, <laughs> there is a link to the Forge Dallas website so you can learn more about what they're doing and the different activities they have going on, the different trainings that they have to help you understand what it means to live a missional lifestyle. So we've talked about uh, safe places. We've talked about standing in the gap. Now we need to talk about the shared life. And to help illustrate this final posture, I want to show you a quick video of how Coca-Cola is adopting it. Can you imagine that? <laughs> but see, even Coca-Cola gets it. They understand that we are relational beings. We have this need to connect with one another. They looked around the college campuses and saw all these kids sitting on their phones, not talking to anybody else. And they realized something needed to change. So they invented this bottle that you had to go find somebody else in order to open it up. Ultimately, we are, creation, we are relational beings. We need one another. Sure, we can drive each other nuts every now and again. However, our need for connection is simply an expression of the Imago Dei in us, right? God's Trinitarian self is community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all working together as one. Now, we're pretty good at shared life around here, right? I mean, even a couple weeks ago, Pastor Dave mentioned how it's the strength of our relationships that have helped, got, helped get us through some tumultuous times as a body. But could we do better? Well, look at how the early church did things. In Acts 2.44, they say, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Trump translations say they sold everything they had. 
Now, I'm not suggesting that we have to sell everything we have and split the profits. What I am suggesting is that the reason that they were willing to do this uncommon deed is that they were on a mission together. And that's how they saw best to achieve that mission. And perhaps we could look at our ability to share life in the same way. It reminds me of the scene in Three Amigos. How many of you have seen that movie? It's a, <laughs> and if Dan does the salute, right on. <laughs> well, in this particular scene, the three amigos are being chased back to the, the town of Santa Poco by the infamous El Guapo. <laughs> I did it just so I could say it that way. Realizing that they need, the, they need the resources of the town to survive, Ned Nederlander stands up and says, this is not a town of weaklings. You can use your strengths against El Guapo. Now, what is it that this town really does well? To which one little old lady replies, we can sew. <laughs> we can sew. If only we had known that before. <laughs> Undaunted by this seemingly insignificant ability. They put the villagers to work with their sewing skills and they are able to beat the villainous El Guapo together. Hooray! Hooray. <laughs> so what is it that Crosspoint really does well? Even Annalise pointed out earlier, talking about our community here, right? And we get that often from people who walk in and talk about how friendly we are and how, how we're able to share life. We share life well. This is not a community of weaklings. We can use our strengths to live out our mission for God. We share life well. But it requires each of us to dive in to true relationships here and not just be here when it suits us, right? Shared life cannot be something we just consume. It has to be a part of our DNA. If we want to help one another cultivate genuine spirituality, it has to go hand in hand with sharing life. Now, I'm not going to pretend that this lifestyle is easy. Any of these postures are tough, whether it's uh, recognizing that you're sent or submerging into a community, bringing shalom creating safe places or standing in the gap or shared life, they're tough. And they're tough for everybody. In fact, I got another video for you. <laughs> this one is a short video uh, that I found online uh, from some other resources. But it's several people struggling with the difficulties and ramifications of these postures in their lives. Check it out. Radically foolish lifestyle. Pastor Dave delivered a message a few weeks ago entitled, What If It's True? And the key point was, what if all these things that we say about God are true? What if God really did create us to be God-connected, God-reflectors and co-creators? And what if he did send his son, Jesus Christ, to come and live on the earth and take our, the penalty of our sins on his back to his death? And what if he really did raise Jesus from the dead? And, and what if we really can have his spirit and his power within each one of us? And what if we really are called to be on mission with him as agents of restoration in this fallen world? What if all that was true? How should it affect us? What should our postures be? How should we seek to interact with God and each other? How should we seek to live out our lives? 
trying to figure out a way to say it any better than this, uh, and I couldn't, so I'm just going to read it. It's tempting to talk about the mission of God and the role that the church is to play in that mission and then go about our business. This is what we are taught to do in a consumer culture. Spend our time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. But the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The mission of God is not something to be consumed and then forgotten. It's something to be embraced and participated in. So what if that is true? If it is, this sentness, this missional lifestyle must be played out in the lives of each one of us. Pastor Dave or myself can get up here week after week and we can talk about it, but until each one of us takes steps to make that a reality, it's all it is, is talk. So here's the part where you get to preach the message to me. Kylie has a microphone. We're gonna pass it around. And I want your thoughts on this. We've talked about it at minimum two weeks, but let's be honest, Pastor Dave's been talking about this for a long time. What do you think about this missional lifestyle? Does it affect your life in any way? Do you see any need to make any shifts or changes in your life? What do you find difficult? Anything. I'm open. David, I think sometimes it's very difficult to to have that missional attitude all the time because we're so judgmental. Hmm. Unpack that for me. Well, we look at people sometimes that we get a prompting. This person may need a word of encouragement or may need something materialistic, you know, for help or or is having a, a, a personal problem that that they don't that they may mention and and we to avoid getting too much into it maybe judge them on some level and go yeah I know what you mean and leave it at that hmm. that's probably the biggest problem I have sure is discerning my own judgment hmm. of that person yeah yeah, that's true. Got one over here. I think uh, that there's a big separation that we uh, we have in our minds that everything has to run on a schedule. And in my experience, this is kind of a Western idea that everything has a set time. You know, we go to church on Sundays, and how many of us go to work the next day and completely forget about uh, what our pastor preached? So I think a lot of it just comes with unifying um, your religion into your everyday life and going into not, not just your religion as well, but just like unifying your goals mm -hmm. into your everyday life and thinking with a goal-oriented mind. I need to step forward and do everything with the future in mind. And I think mm. that's something that I myself struggle with. And I think that, uh, other people struggle with that. So it can make it hard to be missional when you, uh, when you feel like you don't have time. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Time is, time is tough. If you were to look at my calendar, you'd, you'd see that. By the way, it's good to see you again. Yeah. Um, I had a couple of thoughts, so I'll probably just talk until Sarah taps me and tells me. <laughs> um, one is going kind of tagging along with what you said, like, I know whenever I'm doing things, I have to think about, like whether I'm 
how much I'm, how am I going to study or what I'm going to do with Evan or how we're going to spend our time or money. We're thinking about like what kind of investment is that? How am I going to what what kind of fruit's going to come from that? And that's difficult to apply that kind of analytical numerical mindset to emissional living because you're not going to see that return. And whenever I you know, if I enter into an interaction with someone expect, you know, with this missional mindset, expecting to see the fruit of that labor, then mm. I'm going to be frustrated because a lot of times it's, you get to plant a seed and years later, somebody else is going to water it and that, you know, you may never know about it. Absolutely. So focusing more on, you know, when I remind myself, don't think about that. Just think about how am I supposed to love this person in the moment? And yeah, like it's all Sounds good. I like that. <laughs> this side of the room is really hot. I know. Well, we got somebody. She's, she's trying to get to you. <laughs> it seems like to me that it's both and all of that stuff that the Campbell guys and you are saying. And um, because you don't have to think about judge whether or not they're right or wrong or if they're you should help them or not and you don't have to think about do I have time and where can I set aside time and at 3 p.m. this and that and you don't you don't have to think about all that stuff you just need to have a bigger picture of being yourself being good with God whatever that means for you I had my quiet time today or whatever it is yourself being good with God yourself saying to God I'm gonna be open I'm good with you I'm gonna be open and now I'm gonna go start living my day and following my schedule and meeting people that I run into and I don't know if it's good or bad to talk to them but You've already set your intention, your big picture intention is, I'm good with you, God, and now I'm going to go live my day. And the key is be open as I'm living my day to what you put in my path. Yeah. It's not a set aside time for it. It's not a carve out more study. You know, it's not that. It's live your normal life just like you already are. But I'm good with God. I'm telling you today, God, I'm, my intention is to be open to what you're going to put in my path. Give me eyes to see it. And then go live your day. Absolutely. Yeah. Ditto. <laughs> there's, there's actually a really great story in the Sentinus book, by the way, uh, just briefly. A missionary who really wanted to do something for God. And so took out a piece of paper, wrote down all the things he was willing to do for God, signed his name at the bottom. But felt that God wasn't quite pleased with that. So he looked over the list and thought, well, maybe there's something else I need to add. And so read it, changed a couple of things, put something else down, said, okay, this, you know, I'm willing to do all these things for God. Realized God wasn't happy with that. God came back to him and said, all I want you to do is to sign your name at the bottom. Let me fill in the rest of that. <laughs> and read the story in there. It's amazing what that did to his life. I think one of the challenges for me is I have... Um, I'm in a very fortunate situation that I have a lot of missional opportunities outside the church. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I hear about the needs for missional opportunities inside the church, like for example today, the inner struggle I have is, 
should I go ahead and sign up to help today, but if I do, then I'm not gonna make it Absolutely. to that social at my townhome community that's from two to six, where I know I'm gonna have a ton of missional mm -hmm. opportunities that I can um, experience with my neighbors that I live with. So what, what do I do? Do I sign up and come here? Do I go to that social? Because they're both missional sure. opportunities. Oh, absolutely. So I find myself, you know, just crying out to God going, I really think I need to be at that townhome, you know, social today. So raise somebody up to come and do the church missional opportunity because I cannot be both yeah. places. Yeah, believe me, yeah, yeah. We need more people to stand in the gap for those sorts of things yeah. too. Yeah, absolutely. I would just... You know, as we're, you know, you, we live in an apartment community and, you know, we go about, I've got to deliver calendars, we've got to put up event flyers and there's, or just taking the dog out. And there's so often I'm on my way to do something and then somebody stops me to talk and I'm kind of just like, I've got to go, you know, but I'm reminded I'm there for a greater purpose. And Jesus says, as you go, and things happen and life just continues. So that's what somebody over here. Finally getting to Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> Some of what I was gonna say has been touched on by other people, but I find my challenge is I'm a planner. Very, very much what? a planner. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Surprise. Um, and so I think the thing that I struggle with the most is I like to kind of set out my week and, and go. And some of those things include planning out missional activities, at least more so when I didn't have two small kids. But the thing that I struggle with is I think, and Dave's talked about it, I don't know, many years ago, is, is leaving space. Mm -hmm. Margin for those things, you know, and, and I think that's where I struggle is because I would like to help and sometimes it's just really when I don't think it's convenient, but <laughs> is it not convenient because I don't think it's convenient? And do I really need to just drop that and do whatever the other thing is? And I think that's where I struggle because that's a strain on me because I'm like, no, but if I do that, then I'm off my schedule and I, you know, and then that stresses me, Yeah. <laughs> you know, but maybe some stress is good. Yeah. We do know everybody in our cul-de-sac, so it's yeah. fun. But yeah, you walk out and somebody wants to talk to you. But I need to go. For sure. So. For sure. Yeah, I heard a thing recently. Uh, I don't remember exactly who it was. A CEO of I don't know Google or Yahoo or something said, "You should do the thing that scares you." Um, most people think of the missionaries as the people who go door to door saying. Have you accepted our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into your life yet? And that's how the media portrays it all the time. Always dressing, all the boys dressing up in suit and ties and all the girls dressing up in nice Easter dresses and going to church every Sunday. And that's how a lot of the media portrays Christians. And so people, so when missionaries try and do their work out into the world, a lot of people kind of say, no, I don't want to be on this strict Christian schedule. I don't want to have to go to church every Sunday and dress up nice. And that's like our church is the exact opposite of it. We, have, we play rock and roll music as the music that we play. We, don't, we aren't always singing gospel music. We don't have a choir that we sing, that we have. We have a band that plays. And so when we do our mission, our mission work out in the world, 
we kind of we kind of go against everything that the media is portraying Christians as. Yeah, it's a great place to be. Yes, of course. So I love coming here because I think just the heart behind Crosspoint is awesome. But um, in saying that, I work for a nonprofit called Initiative, and um, our whole goal is to unify the church for the gospel by the gospel in the city. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is, and, and it's a very much a flesh thing, is that they wait for the better opportunity that looks better on paper. Um, what I've realized is sometimes, you know, as, as a worship leader, I realize if the bulk of my ministry is on the stage, then I'm missing the kingdom. And so people think that, you know, in order to be a missionary, they have to take, you know, the Africa or the Uganda or anything where that, but really the biggest missionary base is where you're located because where you're planted is where God planted you for a reason. And so, yeah, I just think it's really cool that y'all um, let me come sing and play for you guys because I, I want to say this is encouragement because it's really hard to see churches like what David said, um, you know, a missional church is inward, inward but outward focused. Um, so yeah, just keep going and I think it's awesome and I'm babbling now, so I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna take this to you. <laughs> Anybody else? Oh, we have one right in the front. Hi. Um, there's a youth pastor that um, I met just not too long ago, and I heard him say that although he loves being a youth pastor, that is where his real calling is in that sense, but his mission field, he said, is Starbucks. Hmm. He says every time he goes into Starbucks, and which is every day evidently, um, if you're a youth he, pastor, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> before he does, he just says, who? Oh, nice. And it might be just a smile or a hello to somebody, and he can see a difference, and he might not say anything more. But sometimes somebody will say something to him, and, he, and he'll listen to him. And then sometimes, actually in Starbucks, believe it or not, he'll say, can I pray for you? And he'll put his hand on them and pray. And they'll look at him. Nobody's ever done that before. So his mission field is Starbucks. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, the mission field is all around us. One of, an amazing thing you can do similar to that is <clears throat> sometimes when Kylie and I go out to dinner, we'll, we'll stop our waiter. You know, they'll say, can I get you anything else? And before we get ready to pray for our meal or whatever, we'll say, well, we're getting ready to bless our meal. Do you, you have anything we can pray for you for? And it's amazing how they'll open up to you about <laughs> some stuff. <laughs> it's good and bad. <laughs> Brian. Uh, in my discipline, which is world history studies, um, we talk about religion all the time and war that are the two big things. Now, it's mainly society and how society works, but we talk a lot about religion. And I think there's a misconception uh, among people who aren't in school that we don't talk about religion at all in school. Um, and if a student asks me a question, I'm allowed to answer it. <laughs> and my students are curious and they're also ignorant <laughs> about Christianity. Curious. Mr. Coleman, what's a Christian? I don't know, what are you? I'm Catholic, I'm not Christian. <laughs> okay, well, 
But anyway, that's, that's kind of an opportunity for me because these kids, they don't, if they do go to church, you know, they probably got their nose in their phone the whole time. And they're, so it's kind of an opportunity to, well, if they're not learning it at, at church, which is such a social f function for most of them, you know, maybe I can, I can steer. I can do some steering, you know. Uh, so that's kind of where I guess that's my mission minefield. <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> Mission minefield. <laughs> Anybody else? No? You look like you have something to say, Kylie. I was just going to talk about my friends at the grocery store, my sprouts. Oh. I love my people, and I'm just getting to know them, each single one of them. I just walk in there and walk around and have conversations at each department. <laughs> and then the checkout girl, I know that she's got an oldest daughter who has Down syndrome, and, and she's not really wanting to do this job. She's writing a book about her life story, and we just had an amazing conversation just on Wednesday about it all. But just as we're going and just having these conversations and being willing for God to speak through us and being the light to the world that they so need. Yeah, yeah. The mission field is all around us. And, and I, it's like I said last week, I know there's a lot of you out there doing it. Don't, don't misunderstand this. It's just important that we keep reminding ourselves, keep talking about it and keep uh, making our posture such that we're prepared for it. All right, let's pray. Father God, I just wanna thank you for this time this morning. I wanna thank you for... Um, this people gathered together, and I just pray that um, that as we continue on our day and as we go, we will uh, seek to serve you and seek to find ways to embrace and engage your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. So <clears throat> we talked about um, mission, and we talked about um, how we send, like, you know, what was that, four weeks ago? No, two weeks ago now, three weeks ago. We sent off Dave and Courtney uh, to Uganda. It feels like a month ago. <laughs> Tell you what. Uh, one of the things we do anytime we send people off uh, overseas for, for mission trips is we commission them. Well, if it's true that we are each missionaries here, then we need to commission each other. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite everybody to come here to the center of the room. Oh, yeah, everybody. <laughs> come on in, come on in. And I, I don't want you to face me because I'm not your mission field. I want you to face that way. <laughs> come on, tech team. You guys too. Everybody's a part of this. Everybody put a hand on each other. We're a community. We all together. Excellent. So this morning, I want to send you with a charge. This was written by the late Reverend Richard Halverson, former chaplain to the U.S. Senate, and I think it's a beautiful way to wrap up our time together. You go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you there. Wherever you are, God has put you there. He has a purpose in your being there. Christ who indwells in you has something he wants to do through you wherever you are. Believe this and go in his grace and love and power. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks so much, guys. This has been the Crosspoint Sermon Audio from Carrollton, Texas. For more information about our church, visit www.crosspoint.com.